0: Well, tonight, it's our pleasure to be able to present to you, He Gave Everything. This is one of the tremendous uh, cantatas that you'll hear. And for this reason, it's the messages contained in it. The choir and the drama department together have worked on this to make it uh, something that uh, will really speak to your heart. And so I ask you to listen to the words as it's presented and, and also the words of the music as well as the drama team. Um, if during the service um, you need to use a restroom, those double doors there to my right there in that corner, uh, there's restrooms right there. And as a matter of fact, even down the hallway from there, there's restrooms. There's a nursery there as well. On this side, there are double doors over here in that corner and a couple restrooms there as well. And so, Uh, They're open and and you can uh, go on in there for uh, restroom uses. If you have a child that's starting to act up and make noise and uh, just kind of, you know, be a problem sometimes that uh, getting restless. Uh, We do have in the back for you there. We have the screen up there so you can even watch it from back there and have the child so it doesn't interfere with the presentation tonight. And you can watch it from there. And, and then uh, finally, uh, we uh, really uh, want to say is that we want to thank you for being here tonight. That's really a blessing. These people have worked hard on this, and, and I just really appreciate their work, their efforts. Uh, we have some men that uh, you can't see right now because they're way back in the radio station. This is going live on the radio station as well as live stream. So you can't see them. They're back there, but they're doing everything, and they can see us. As a matter of fact, they can see you from back there. And so uh, don't, uh, don't go to sleep, or they'll, they'll post your picture right on the uh, live stream. Not really, not really. But uh, I, I'm saying that because those men have been a part of this practice and all the preparations as well in getting ready for this. Now, at this time, I just want you to really... Uh, enjoy this. Listen, again, listen to the words of the songs as well as the story in the drama as it proceeds. And it will be interesting how it just blends together and shows us the greatness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, He gave everything.
1: Visitors until after uh, lunchtime or so, but I suppose visitors are always welcome here at Saunders Engineering Company. You all must be here about the new training program we started a few years back. Mr. Saunders, oh, you're looking at him right here. Uh, the, the broom, well, you see, uh, the doctor told me I needed some form of exercise every day, so I thought I'd better follow doctor's orders. I, I, I suppose you'd like to know the story of our engineering. Raining center program, and I'm happy to tell you. You see, it began about, oh, seven years ago or so, when my senior engineer was taking his family out to deliver Thanksgiving turkeys.
2: It's a turn right on Maple Street.
1: Okay, dear.
2: Look at these houses. Ooh, they're creepy. Do people really live here?
3: Everyone, lock your doors now.
4: Can we go home? Not until after we deliver the food. Poor people get hungry, too, you know. Who are you looking for, Mom? <clears throat> well, it says here on the card their name is Johnson. According to the City Rescue Mission, they're having a pretty tough time. They've got a little girl that has spina bifida. What's spina, it?
3: Oh, that means they have a baby <clears throat> who's crippled.
4: It also says that Mrs. Johnson has been in bad health ever since the child was born. We sure have a lot All right, well,
3: uh, here here we are.
2: I was afraid we'd find it.
3: All right, let's pray before we go. Dear Lord, just help us to be a good testimony to this family and to be grateful for all that we have. Amen.
2: I'll wait here and protect the car. Rich, we're all going
4: to help bring in the groceries.
3: All right, everybody out of the car now. Toby, you got that turkey?
4: (laughs) Got it, Dad. Mom, it stinks out here. Shh, Jessica. These kind of people don't know how to keep things clean. Rich, did you grab that box of groceries?
2: Got it. Mom, you're not actually going to give them this pie, are you? I thought it was for us. If it smells like this out here, think of what it's like inside. I'm going to wait in the
3: car. Ah, not in this neighborhood, you're not. Come on. Now, everybody, remember your testimony. Yeah? What you want? Hello, friend. <laughs> I am uh, John Shepherd, and this is my wife, Jeannie, and these are my kids. Uh, I mean, her kids. Uh, I mean, our kids. And uh, this is... Ricky and Toby and Jesse, and we're from Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and we're here to spread some Thanksgiving cheer. So? So, uh, we brought some goodies here from our kitchen to yours. Whatever you say. Well, uh, all right, well, where would you like these?
5: You could put it right there on the front porch. refrigerator ain't working.
3: Sounds good to me. Put them over there, boys. Oh, well, it's uh, certainly been nice meeting you.
4: Yeah, we'd sure love to have you visit our church sometime.
3: That'll be the day. Well, gang, it's about time we head home.
4: Oh, John, the tracks.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well wait, what we have here, sir, is a pamphlet that I'd like you to read sometime if you get spare a spare minute.
6: Yeah, okay.
3: Yeah, it tells you about uh, God's plan of salvation and how he sacrificed everything for you and for me.
5: Mr. Yes, you're living in a dream world. What do you mean? Ain't nobody in this whole universe that don't think about themselves first.
4: Uh, but why do you think we're here?
5: That's a good question, lady. Why are you here?
4: Well, because I, I love you.
5: <laughs> well, this is kind of sudden, lady.
4: Well, I, I didn't mean it that way.
5: Sir, I suggest you watch the way that you talk to my. Listen, folks, I'm sorry. Thanks for the food. Good night
3: well can you beat that
4: i never in all my days have been so humiliated
3: all right come on kids everybody get in the car toby get away from that window
2: rich where are you going do you think i'm gonna leave our pie with that jerk
3: get in the car
4: oh the ingratitude
3: well i guess you can't really expect anything better from people like that. Thanks to FDR we have an entire generation of people that expect handouts for everything.
2: FDR? Wasn't he shot in Dallas way back in the 60s? Way back?
3: That was just uh well I uh, I guess that was JFK anyways but besides that he was one of those other liberals that got us into this mess you know tax and spend and tax and spend. Dad! What is it, son?
2: When the turkey's gone, what will she eat? Who? That little girl. What little girl? I saw her through the window. She's crippled and so thin, she looked cold too. What will she eat when the turkey's all gone?
3: Don't worry about her, son. We got government pre- uh, programs for people like that.
1: But Toby couldn't stop worrying. (coughs) All that evening and the next day, he kept wondering what would happen to that little girl. The little girl that he'd seen through that window, she was so frail. Several times he tried to talk to his father about her, but his father assured him that she'd be taken care of. Toby wanted to believe his dad, but the idea occurred to him that nobody seemed to be taking care of her so far. There was only one person Toby could turn to now.
2: Lord, I've got a problem, and I don't know what to do. What would you do if you were here? Wait a minute. The verse I had to say for the Christmas program it says to humble yourself and become a servant of the Lord. Lord, make me just like you. Okay. <laughs>
1: Although Toby had committed himself to helping the little girl, he wasn't quite sure how to go about it. Since his father didn't see the need as he did, Toby decided to seek the advice of someone much older and wiser than himself, his 12-year-old brother.
2: Dickie, Toby, will you quit calling me Dickie? Mom and Dad stopped that stuff five years ago. Okay, Rich, I'm sorry. Dickie. What? What's going to happen to that little girl? Will you forget about her we don't even know those people but god doesn't he cares about everybody that's exactly right but you're not god but i'm supposed to be like jesus this is like talking to a brick wall i want to take to my piggy bank you can't do that why not uh lots of reasons like how would you get there ow I'll, I'll walk <laughs> you wouldn't even get there by next christmas ow I'll ride the bus. You'll end up in Phoenix or something. You don't even know how to ride a bus. Do, too. Do not. Do, too. How? One time, me and Mom took the bus to the library. How am I supposed to reason with a two-year-old? I'm not, two. Well, you're sure acting like it. Now grow up and get with the program. What do you mean? The government takes care of people like that. And they're not doing a very good job. You're impossible. Dickie, you didn't even see that little girl. She needs help. Why can't you be like a normal kid? Dickie... If you want to make a difference, you just gotta be a little different.
3: House. Maybe he stopped there on the way home from school.
2: That's the first place I tried. I checked everywhere between here and the school playground. He's not at the baseball field or the donut shop, and none of the neighbors have seen him either. John, we've got to call the police. Yeah,
3: you're probably. Wait a
2: minute. Is Toby's penny bank gone? What? Why didn't I think of this before? He's run away. Can I have Toby's room, Jessica? Don't you don't you see? Ever since we delivered the Thanksgiving basket, he's been babbling about that crippled kid. What
3: crippled kid?
2: You know, the one with spina something other? Oh, spina bifida? Yeah, he said he was gonna take her his piggy bank because she needed help. Toby's the one who needs help. Jessica, go see if this piggy bank is gone. Yes, ma'am.
3: Don't worry, sweetheart. I'm sure he's just probably at his friend's house playing or something.
2: I don't know, Dad. He was pretty serious. John, it's almost 5 o'clock, and it's getting dark.
3: Now, don't work yourself all up. Everything's going to be all right.
4: But he's only a child. My baby, and that part of town after dark. Oh, John.
2: We'll find him, Mom. Toby's piggy bank is gone.
3: All right, everybody in the car, now. Come on.
1: No time was wasted getting into the car. However, John was in such a hurry backing out of the garage that he backed right into the fire hydrant across the street.
3: This is not my day.
4: Now, dear, don't get upset. I know the car is new. But remember, all things work together for good. Is it
2: raining?
3: That's not rain, Jessica.
2: Wow, look, the water's shooting 20 feet in the air. How embarrassing. Dad, the trunk popped open. John, we've got to get going.
3: I'm trying to get going, dear, but the car's stuck on that stupid fire hydrant back there.
2: <sighs> well, you don't have to take it out on me. Does it matter that the trunk's filling up with water? How embarrassing. <laughs> my feet are all wet. <gasps> There's water all over the floor. It's up to my ankles.
3: All right, everybody, out of the car. Jeannie, you take
1: the wheel.
2: But I'll get soaked. You're already wet.
1: Come on, you two. Help me push. (coughs) They finally got that car moving again, but not before everybody was sopping wet. The trunk wouldn't close, and the water inside the car was now four inches deep. The ride across town seemed like it took forever. Even Jessica and Richard were getting a little worried now. It was almost dark.
4: I should have called the police before I left the house.
3: Uh, just one more block and, and we'll be there.
4: But, what, what if he's been kidnapped? Toby will be fine <clears> then. <throat> I, don't, I don't even think I told him I, I loved him this morning. It's all my fault. I mean, what kind of mother am I anyway? You're a great mom. Yeah,
3: if it's uh, anybody's fault, uh, it's probably mine.
4: Well, what do you mean?
3: Well, you see, uh, Toby was trying to get a hold of me, you know, trying to ask me a question or something, but I was super busy, you know, working on my Sunday school lesson and such, and you know how Toby is, he just doesn't give up. Well, I uh, maybe kind of, sort of raised my voice a little.
2: You yelled, Dad.
3: Okay, okay, okay. I yelled. But I promise, if I ever see that precious little child again, I will never get upset with him.
2: I think I see him. Where? Where is he? Yeah, that's him skipping down the sidewalk. Oh, praise the Lord.
3: Skipping? How do you like that? Scares the living daylights out of us, ruins our car, makes me late to our deacons meeting. (laughs) All right, I got a great idea.
2: Dad, are you all right?
3: I'm going to teach that kid a lesson he'll never forget.
2: What's he gonna do?
3: Oh, man, just watch this. Shh, everybody. Uh,
2: John, I wouldn't... Oh, I
3: wish I had my video camera for this one.
4: But, John, he's been... Shh, oh. Jeannie.
3: Shh.
0: Now watch this.
2: Stick him up, kid. Hiya! Oh, oh, oh. Look at Toby, run. Oh, dear. I'm okay. I'm okay. Jeannie, you're
3: gonna have to drive on this one.
2: Way to go, Dad. Too bad you didn't have your video camera,
4: huh?
3: Very funny.
4: John, I was trying to tell you that Pastor Bert has been working with him on self-defense and Boys Club on Thursday nights. Yeah, well, it didn't really hurt that bad, you
3: know. Just trying to build his confidence, that's all.
4: You're doing an excellent job, dear.
3: Well, if you drive a little faster, I might be able to catch up to him.
4: Whatever you say, dear.
3: Toby, Toby, it's me, Dad.
2: Boy, am I glad to see you.
3: Yeah, yeah, just get in the car.
2: This huge, ugly, mean-looking guy tried to attack me. <laughs> Toby, that was.
3: <laughs> That's terrible. That was terrible, son. Uh, we're glad you're all right.
2: Me too. I sure hope I didn't hurt him too bad. Only his pride, dear. Huh?
3: Never mind, son.
2: What's all this water in the car? And who left the trunk open?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll explain all that later. But first, you explain to me what you're doing out here all by yourself.
2: I went to see Tessie. And who's Tessie? Miss Johnson's little girl. She's really cute, dad, and smart too. And she's not a baby like the card says. She's just little and can't walk because she's got a hole in her back. Toby, are you making this up? It's true. In fact, sometimes she drinks too much water that it gets in her head and the dog tries to drain it all out. No way. Cross my heart. She's been in the hospital 11 times. And oh, poor thing. Who told you all this? Tessie told me after I gave her my piggy bank.
3: You gave Tessie your piggy bank?
2: Yeah. So she'd be able to buy something after. when to eat after the turkey's all gone. She's really skinny, Dad.
3: Uh, Toby, you have a soft heart, just like your grandfather.
2: Dad, I've been thinking, why can't we help the Johnsons?
3: Well, what do you mean by help?
2: Well, you know, find Mr. Johnson a job. In, in their house is a mess. Everything's broken. You can fix anything, Dad. Uh, it's not that simple,
4: son. We don't even know these people.
3: Yeah, besides, Mr. Johnson probably doesn't even have a car to get himself to work.
2: Couldn't you drive him?
3: Well, I- I'm glad you have a tender heart and everything, <laughs> but what you're suggesting would require a great deal amount of money and time.
4: hmm and Toby, these people don't even know the basics of personal hygiene.
2: Personal what? She means they're dirty. I was thinking about that. Mom, you're such a great housekeeper. Couldn't you teach Tessie's mom how to clean the house? You talk to him, John.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, what your mother is trying to say is, um, well, these people are different than uh, than we are. They uh, don't have breeding.
2: Breeding? You mean like gra- Grandpa's <coughs> house? So that's why it smells like a barn.
3: No, What uh, what I'm trying to say is that Well, we just have to really watch our testimony, and these people probably have some pretty bad habits. They're just not... they're just not like us.
2: I see. What is it, Toby? (sighs) Nothing. Well, what's wrong? It's just the verse I have to say for the Christmas program.
3: What verses?
2: Something about being like Jesus and humbling ourselves. Well... And forgiving our reputations and being servants.
3: Yeah, that sounds familiar. That's, uh... Philippians chapter 2.
2: I hope someday I'm as smart as you, Dad, and can understand what the Bible is talking about. I guess I had it all wrong.
1: It had been a long evening, and everybody was tired by the time they got back home. Nobody even argued with Dad when he said to get ready for bed, and before long everyone was sound asleep. Well almost everyone, John couldn't forget Toby's words in Philippians chapter 2. And finally, around 2 a.m., he got out his Bible and started reading one scripture after another. Before long, he was in tears. Lord,
3: I've called myself a, a Christian for over 30 years now, and I'm such a hypocrite. Lord, when you came to this earth, you gave of everything. You gave of your time and uh, your money. You, You were spit upon, tortured, and even killed. And I think that I really sacrificed because I gave a family a turkey from our church. Oh, Lord, please forgive me and help me to live and to love like you.
1: now John was serious about wanting God to change his heart. Tuesday on his lunch break, he picked up several bags of groceries and went by the Johnsons to drop off the food. He couldn't get anyone to answer the door, so finally John just walked right in. The living room was completely dark except for the eerie light of a small TV that was blaring loudly. The floors were covered with trash, and there were cockroaches everywhere. On a bare mattress lay a dirty, frail little girl about five years old. Her hair was long and matted, and she had on a large, dirty t-shirt. Her feet were blue with cold. Mrs. Johnson was asleep on the mattress beside her daughter, and her husband, Pete, was sitting on the floor in front of the TV. John had never seen such human misery. That evening, he came back with his whole family. After giving Tessie some warm pajamas, John fixed the refrigerator while Jeannie prepared the dinner. Richard, Jessica, and Toby started the long process of cleaning up the house. The next morning, John paid a visit to my office. Now at that time, Ebenezer Scrooge and I had a lot in common. In just seven years, my company had grown from one employee to over a hundred. I was rich, frugal, and proud of it. Much as I hated to admit it, A major part of my company's success was due to the work of my senior senior engineer, John Shepard. Although I enjoyed kidding him about his religious beliefs, I suppose he was the closest thing I had to a friend. Morning, Bob. Do you have a second? Sure, John. Come on in. Come on in. Love this new design. It's perfect. Just like I always say, you want a job done right, give it to John. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Bob. Bye. Say,
3: I had a question I wanted to ask you. Well, go for it. Well, I I know since we moved into our new building, uh, we've spent a lot of money on a custodial service. No one's more aware of that than I am. And I was thinking that maybe it's about time that we hired a full-time custodian.
1: Not a bad idea, not a bad idea. You got someone in mind? Dependable help is hard to find these days, John. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about oh well if you found someone he's okay with you he's hired well it's really not quite that simple what do you mean
3: well he's not dependable he has no skills and I can't think of a single positive thing to say about him but I promise you if, if you hire him I'll stick on him and glue and make sure everything gets done
1: are you serious I'm afraid so what's this guy to you
3: Well, he's who I might have been if not for the grace of God
1: (laughs) Well, if this were anyone else, I'd laugh him out of my office But I tell you what, if hiring this guy is going to satisfy some religious whim of yours, be my guest Thank you, sir But remember, if anything happens, I hold you totally responsible Yes, sir, you
3: won't regret this, sir Well, I I hope Uh, Anyways, um, I have worked out this uh, budget for him If you just want to take a look at that
1: Uh, uh, Well, you certainly have thought of everything, haven't you? Yeah, I I know it might look a little steep, but he
3: has quite a few hospital bills. But I'm willing to take a 10% decrease on my salary if you're willing to hire him. 10%?
6: (coughs) Yes, sir.
1: (laughs) You do that for some derelict?
3: Yeah, the Lord has really convicted me about my sin on this.
1: I don't believe this. You spend more time at church than I do at my own home. You know what the other engineers are calling you? St. John. If you're a sinner, well, I may as well be the Easter buddy.
3: Well, Bobby, it's not about going to church that makes you a Christian. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ and accepting his free gift of salvation. And it's by God's grace that I've done that.
1: That's more like it. There's a John I know. So what's all this hassle about? When Christ came to this world, he uh,
3: gave of everything that he had. He gave of his time, his money, even his life, and he commands his followers to do the same—to live and love like he did.
1: Well, John, if I ever saw that kind of a Christian, <laughs> I might even become one myself. What great preacher has been filling your head with these notions? No theologian, Bob. Uh, just an eight-year-old boy. Well, uh, about that pay cut, I—I I think I could spring for this. I wouldn't want you to become a martyr. Not yet. Now remember, I'm holding you personally responsible for this new fella. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, finding Pete Johnson a job turned out to be the easy part. Teaching him the value of hard work, well, that was gonna take a little more effort.
3: Say, Pete, uh, I thought I'd help you uh, clear off your drive and your walk. Why? I ain't going nowhere. Well, we wouldn't want the mailman to slip. He might sue you. Oh no! I lose my Rolls Royce. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah! Got a real sense of humor there, Pete. Yeah. Say, I uh, have an extra shovel. Uh, you ready to get started? I ain't got no coat, man. Oh, don't you worry about that. I I brought one of those just for you too. All right, here you go. I don't suppose you got a hat. Oh, how on hat? Coming right up. <laughs> Look real good there. <sighs> Whatever you say. Say, uh, you start work on Monday morning, and we need to be ready, so I hired the custodial service to meet us tomorrow morning, so I'll pick you up at about 7.15. Whoa, 7.15 a.m.? Yeah, I'm I'm always in my office by 7.30. You know, the early bird gets the worm. I don't want no worms. Uh, The sunrise is the best part of the day. I wouldn't know. Are you telling me you've never seen a sunrise before? If God
5: had wanted me to see the sunrise, he'd have scheduled it at noon.
3: I'll pick you up at 7.15. <sighs> okay. Also, I got a, some overalls and work boots for you, and then I hired the landscaping company to show us everything that you're going to need to know by next Saturday. Do you have any questions? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Well, it's because I'm a Christian.
5: Everybody who comes to my door says they're a Christian, but they just as soon spit on me as look at me. Oh, they bring us food at Christmas and Thanksgiving, but they don't do it for us. They do it to make themselves feel good inside. But you and that boy of yours, Tobes,
3: there's something different about you. Forget it. You guys see— Come on, just don't don't even mention it. Listen, I know about your wife. I know about your daughter. I know that they're not doing well. So my wife and children are going to come over to your house, help you clean everything up, and— got a contractor coming to fix the leaks on your roof. John, I ain't got uh, no uh, money uh, t- Don't even worry about it. I, I told them to bill me and, and they'll, you can pay me back at your first paycheck. Thanks man, I appreciate that. Ah, forget it. Say, have you thought any more about getting a uh, high school diploma? No. You
5: know, I tried night classes,
3: but it just didn't work out. Well, what happened?
5: Well, you gotta take this English, you see. And me and English, we ain't got nothing in
3: common. Would have never guessed. Huh? Oh, nothing. It just so happens, though, that I put myself through grad school teaching bonehead English to college freshmen. As of right now, you have yourself a private tutor. John, I just ain't smart enough for that. No, I'm not smart enough. Well, if
5: you ain't smart neither, how you supposed to teach me?
1: Twas the season to be jolly, but... For the Shepherd family, it was the season for work. John's biggest job was getting Pete out of bed every morning. Jeannie picked up the children after school each day and headed for the Johnsons with the car loaded with food, brooms, mops, soap, and plenty of air freshener. They weren't going to have time this year to make all the fancy baked goods they usually made or to cove them all for those special gifts for each other. And yet, as the music of Christmas began to be heard everywhere... They felt more in the spirit of Christmas than they ever had before. I hadn't expected John's religious experiment to last much more than a week, but nearly four weeks had passed since John had asked me to hire Pete, and I saw no signs of his giving up. What surprised me even more was the change I saw in Pete Johnson, and it irritated me. I really don't know why. I suppose I always had the hypocrisy of Christians as an excuse for my own rejection of Christ. But here was a Christian who was willing to sacrifice a great deal in order to make a difference in just one man's life. And as he stood, nothing to gain in return. As long as I live, I'll never forget that one frosty December morning as I was gazing out my office window upon all that dreary, lifeless snow and ice. The realization suddenly hit me. The most desolate thing of all on that bleak winter morn was my cold, cold heart. You wanted to see me? Oh, yes, yes, John. Uh, come on in, have a seat. Yes, sir. You, uh, you leave in town tomorrow?
3: Uh, no, my family's staying in town this year.
1: Oh, good, good. Great.
3: Any, anything else?
1: No, uh, uh, I mean, yes.
3: Uh, maybe, perhaps this is not a, a good
1: time. No, it, it, it's, it's about Pete. Oh, is something wrong? No, 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 quite the contrary. You see, he's far exceeded my expectations. He's got a lot to learn, that's for sure. It's only been, what, six weeks? Yeah. But, you know, I never saw such a change in a guy's attitude. Gotta hand it to you, the first day you drug him in here, he moved slower than a a turtle with four broken legs. (laughs) Yeah. But the last week and a half or so, I've... I've seen some light in those eyes of his. I have not caught him sitting down on the job for two weeks now, and he's showing some real initiative, too.
3: Well, I'm glad you're pleased. Yes. Is is that it?
1: No, no, uh, it's not, John. Uh, Do you remember a while ago I told you once that if ever I saw a real Christian, I, I thought I might want to become one myself? Well, uh, I have seen one John. Well, what do you mean? You no, know, it may surprise you to know that I grew up in a nice religious home. Went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, read the Bible, but I bailed out long ago. I, I just couldn't believe that the God who had made everything would give everything to someone who deserved absolutely nothing. I've known hundreds of so-called Christians who live just as selfishly as I do and have spent my whole proud life making money I, I can't take with me. This Christmas begins a new life for me, John, because I've seen God's love for the first time. Oh, that's wonderful, Bob. You see, I, I trusted Christ last night, John, because I saw Jesus in you. who had ever seen the Johnson's house before would have recognized it this Christmas Eve, from the gleaming lights in the crystal clean windows to the aroma of fresh baked cinnamon rolls, nothing was quite the same. The Shepherd family, by unanimous vote, had agreed to go without presents for themselves this year. Instead, there was a heaping pile of presents under the beautiful tree in the Johnson's living room. After dinner, Pete asked John if they could take a walk.
5: John, I can't believe all the things that have happened these past few weeks. God has sure been good to us, hasn't he? He sure has. You know, proper food and clothing, Tessie just ain't the same girl she used to be. She isn't the same. She
3: sure ain't. You know what? You've really been improving these last few weeks. You know, I really appreciate that. Between
5: between you and me... It's really Tobes and all the stuff you guys do for me that really brought me on.
3: Ah, uh, sweet Toby of mine.
5: You know, for the first time in my life, I feel like a man. With a proper job and providing for my family and all that. Mm.
3: I just couldn't do that without you. Nah, don't, don't even sweat it. Mr. Saunders is uh, just, just a really, really great guy, isn't he? He really is. He, you know, he says I can take all the night classes
5: I want these days. And he's even considering giving me a raise. Man,
3: that is awesome. Hmm. And you know,
5: before this, I looked at at Mr. Saunders, more of a Scrooge type of individual. You know that? But the more I get to know him, the more
3: I, I, he reminds me more of you. Pete, listen, let me ask you this question. Have you thought any more about John 3 16?
5: You know, the funny thing is I've heard that verse a lot in my life. But until until recently, no one ever made me want to think about it until you. Uh,
3: that, that's not me, Pete. That's the still small voice of God's Holy Spirit. Really? Yes. Jesus Christ wants to live in your heart.
5: Wow. Imagine that. Christ inside of me. Me, Pete Johnson.
1: Well, that's about it. Pete was the beginning of our training center, and the rest, as they say, is history. God just keeps bringing along one person after another who needs our help. Many of them turn out to be real dependable workers. Now, did Pete trust Christ? I get asked that question every time I tell this story. Well, before I answer that question, let me ask you one. Should John feel his time is wasted? Should Pete not trust Christ? I don't think so. Jesus had only 12 disciples, and even one of them was a failure. But you know, even I like a happy ending, so let me introduce you to my training center manager. Hey, Pete, come on over here. I've got some folks I'd like you to meet. Howdy, folks. Ain't it a great night tonight?
0: Entertaining, but it's more of a great story and a great truth. You know, and I was sitting there just thinking of some of those things that they were doing and saying and all that. Here's a family that starts out, they're actually wanting to do a good work. And I think that when you first knocked on the door and Pete said, You want to feel good about yourself, and I think that that's probably something that a lot of us would feel like i think that they demonstrated that's the way a lot of people feel and when that kind of got turned around they just walked away from there not not happy at all but that one little boy and you see you don't have to be 21 years old or older to have christ in your heart and and what a picture here's a family Poor, dirty, seemingly feeling like they're owed to living by the world and that the world doesn't care for them. But they also realize that they've gone to the very depths of society. And that's a very interesting thing. John thought, I've been wrong. I've been wrong, and and my little boy has taught me something from the book of Philippians that I've just simply forgot. Oh, I knew it was there, but I've just simply forgot it. John, as a Christian, came to the Lord and got that right with him. And he just didn't confess his sin. You know, when a Christian confesses his sin to God, then he goes out to turn it around and do the right thing that God would have him to do all along. And he started out. He wanted to go back to the same family that at the door, he'd had to tell them, watch it. And now he had to come, and he offers him a job, offers him, he shows him a way that his life can change. You know, that's the way it is with us in life. Some people have been guilty of some very terrible things. About every day on the news or reading in a newspaper, you will see something that just about turns your stomach and makes you shake your head. How could that happen in a civilized society? And yet, those evil things happen. There are people that have been drunkards, others drug addicts, Others guilty of the most heinous sins, whether it was murder, things like we have today, of sexual assault, and just human trafficking. And there have been people who have done some of the most Filthy things that we can think of. And yet God still loves those souls. And wants to save them. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, he was a hard nut to break. But guess what? When Christ got into his heart. His life changed. His life changed. I think in the Bible, there was a lady, her name was Rahab the harlot. Now, that's not a reputation to have. That's the lowest that you can think. And yet, this lady turns to God, and then years later, many years later, hundreds of years later. A man and a woman, a man named Joseph, a lady named Mary. Different people, but yet, their lines will come down to where they are those years later From the same line of Rahab the harlot. Because God changed her life. Jesus in his ministry. The woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And the death penalty is what was called for in that day. But she got saved. Her life changed. Sometimes people think I'm too evil. I've done this. I've drugs. I've done. I've done this bad thing, thievery, whatever you want to call it. I've been continually bad. Oh, so many things I've done. But you see, this is what this is all about. This is what Christmas is about. Jesus was God's son from eternity past. There was never a time that Jesus did not did not exist. He always existed in eternity past. You see, the Bible tells us God is a spirit. And in eternity past, they decided they were going to make man in our image. Well, how is man made in the image of God? Well, when you were born, you had a body, you had a soul, and you had a spirit. When Adam was created, the Bible tells us in Genesis that there was a body there laying on the ground that God had formed of the dust of the ground. And there lay a still, lifeless body and soul, a lifeless soul, a lifeless body. And then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, other words, spirit. And man, body, became his soul, a living soul. Man was made in the image of God in that he has a spirit. But Jesus existed always in eternity past as a spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three divine persons in one essence, they all existed in spirit. But they made the decision man would sin because he has a free will, a spirit has a free will. And that day of that decision, it was decided Jesus would come, would be born of a virgin. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were all involved in that miraculous, very miraculous virgin birth. But he was born with a purpose that body would grow, but He would never sin one time. And then the day would come that He would be nailed to a cross. But there's something that we don't see about that cross. Hollywood has made movies about the cross. They've gone back in historical records to see how they would do the crucifixion, and oh, it's a bloody, it's a terrible thing when you uh, think of it, if you read about it, in its historical records and the way they depict it on TV or a movie of some kind and yet do you realize it falls so short it really doesn't show what Christ suffered for our sin you see when Jesus was on the cross he's up there saying Father forgive them they know not what they do to a thief that's, that's crucified rightly on the side of him. He, real, he realizes this is not any kind of a bad man at all. This is, this is God. He was called the Son of God. This, this is who he is. The Jews wanted to kill him because he was called the Son of God, the very seed of God. And so that day, as yes, he's there, even in his kindness on a cross, under such physical gruel, suffering, in love he says to that man, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And he was. When he died, That man's spirit went with Jesus Christ to paradise, Christ's spirit. But Christ, in the middle of that crucifixion. Something happened. He says something different. Did fear overtake him? Not really. See, at any time he could have came off that cross, at any time, But the the thing that's different, here's the suffering of the cross. In his ministry, he was tempted 40 days in the wilderness. He had fasted for 40 days, and the devil does his best to make him sin, and he doesn't sin, pouring it all out upon him. But at the end of that 40 days, the Father sends angels to minister to him. Then it's later. Later, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers will soon come and take him away. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating drops. They're so thick, they seem like they're blood coming out of him. And the angels come and minister to him. Anytime there was a problem on the cross, the angels ministered to him. But now, oh, it's so different. You see, the Bible says that He became sin for us. other words, all my sin, all your sin, all sin for all time was placed upon Him. You know, He died for every sin I would ever commit, even before I lived. All that, something that He had never had in Him or on Him, nothing He ever committed in His time, even on the cross, He didn't commit the sin. It was our sin that was placed upon Him. And he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because now there would be no grace. There'd be no help for him. The Father was pouring out his eternal wrath on the very human spirit that was given Jesus Christ at his birth. And He gave up the ghost. He died. Not man taking it from him. He gave up the ghost. After our penalty was paid in full. He says it is done. You know the way the Greek word that is there means it is paid in full. Your my sin was paid in full. Oh there was a change in Pete's life. And yeah there were still some things about him. We. I kind of had to laugh at uh, his words of ain't. But really, you know when a person does receive Christ, it changes life. And yet there are still some things that uh, take a little bit more time that the Lord deals with to change in their life. You may feel tonight that just like Pete, Why would anybody care for me? And why would they do this for me? But if they're doing it, you receive it. You receive it. Pete went the way that John gave him to go and led him, and his life was changed. What did Jesus say to us? He said, repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins will be... be may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the Lord. Other words, that blood that Jesus shed on the cross was placed on a mercy seat in heaven that it might be applied when you will receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now I said the word repentance, and boy that means so many things to so many people. So let me just put it in simple terms that we might all understand. I have used this illustration so many times in our church that probably our people could uh, give the same illustration. I'm on, I'm down in Orlando. Down in Orlando as you're riding down the Ronald Reagan Parkway there and you see there are a couple real tall buildings off to the side. They're hotels, tall ones. And for illustration's sake, we'll we'll just say they're 200 feet tall. I'm not sure how tall they are, but for illustration's sake, we'll say 200 feet tall. 20 feet tall. I mean, uh, 200 feet tall, that's 20 stories. 20 stories. A man is up there, and there is a, a rope going from one all the way over to the other tower. He gets up there, and he walks across. He goes from one side to the other side. Doesn't stumble. Slip or fall. Doesn't start to do do it. He, it's easy. There's no net down there. I mean that's 200 feet down. If he falls it's over. People are looking up. They're watching. They're starting to gather. Then. He decides okay. He takes off running across there. I'm an old man. I don't run well. But. Um, he runs across there. Doesn't stumble, slip, fall. Doesn't even start to. Gets to the other side. People are clapping. Then he gets a bicycle. And boy, he's going across out there on that bicycle, riding all the way over. And he rides on and then turns it around, comes back. People say, wow, this guy is amazing. They're down there clapping. All kinds of people down there clapping. And then he gets these weights placed on his back. They're not just weight, they're 300 pounds. And he goes across, people think he's crazy, but look at it, he's going across there. Gets to the other side, turns around, goes back. Makes it to the other side. Now people are really clapping. That's great, this guy, everything's possible for him. And then he says, how many down there believe I can carry a human being across here on my back? Well, they've seen him run across there, the bicycle across there, somersaults, I mean, weights, everything. He's done it. And they're all saying, yes, you can do it. We believe it. He said, all right, you come on down up here. Come on up here, and I'm going to carry you across here on my back, and you're going. Uh-uh. No, no way. Uh, but you said he believed. Well, I believe, but I'm not going to trust you with my life. See, that's what faith is, trusting with your life. But now, let's put that in a different scenario. That man's done all the tricks. But this building, on the one side, there's fire. Smoke is coming out and billowing up. It's so strong and so big that it's coming out the windows. It's coming out everything and billowing up high into the sky. The only way for people to get away from it, they're running to the top, and when they get to the top, there's no escape. Fire truck ladders won't reach that high. Helicopters would like to rescue them, but there's so much smoke going up in the air they can't be rescued. And so he turns. and he says, do you?" Want me to rescue you from this? You say, oh, yes. He says, then get on my back, and I'll take you across there, my back. And you say, okay, now, what I got to do, how can I help you to get across there? He says, you're not going to help me across there. I'm going to take you across. You just trust me, get on, and I'll take you across. You can't do it. And he gets on, and he takes him all the way across to the other side safely. You see, that man had to turn from his fear of that guy might drop me that he had when he was sitting in the audience or standing down there in the audience, and now just simply by faith trust that person to take him across. Now, that's an illustration. But... The truth of the matter is, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. We're not measured one to another. I'm as good as that Christian. I'm better than that Christian. No, we're not measured that way. We're compared to the person of Jesus Christ, and we all fall short. That's why Christ died for us. When He's dying there, He was paying for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. The Bible says in Romans six twenty three, "For the wages, what we have earned, what we deserve, what we have come into us, the wages of sin is death, final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. Our spirits there; they're never able to cease to exist." never able to escape for all eternity. That's what we've earned. But the gift of God, he says in that same verse, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what are you doing? He said, well, I'll just, I'll just quit sinning. I'll quit doing these bad things I've been doing. I won't do it. No, that won't do it. But instead, you're turning to Him and saying, Lord, these sins have power over me, but I want to give you my life right now for you to have the power over me, to cleanse me of my sin by your blood, to cleanse my spirit, and save my soul, and give me everlasting life. And you call upon Him, and you receive Him into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior. He said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. The heart, your life. You believe unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made to salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever meant you, it meant me. We're all sinners. There has to be a day where we come and truly It's not repeating words. It's rather these words that we really mean. And it's a real commitment. A commitment even stronger than the marriage vow. That you're giving yourself to him. Because he's already said, I'll receive you. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's made his promise. Now it's up to you to receive him. That's your promise to him. Do you know that if you died today that heaven would be your home? Can you give a Bible reason? Can you give a reason why you deserve to go to heaven when you are just like me, you've sinned, as we all have? We need a savior, and you do too. Have you received Christ as your Savior?